Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name's Brian. I am on the staff as the care pastor here at the church, and it is incredibly wonderful to be with you all here this morning. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm used to getting something back when I, when I say that. And so here we are. It is December already. How did this happen? <laughs> it, you know, it sneaks up on me every year, and, and um, I'm not quite sure how because you can hardly miss all the lights. And then, of course, the big hoo-ha every year when they roll out the, the Starbucks Holiday Cup. Uh, quite the big deal. And so um, I just want to say up front, in honor of that, the message today is available in both pumpkin spice and salted caramel. Okay, I, I stop at almond milk though. We just won't we, we won't go there. But we get to this time of year, and at least I do anyway. I get kind of reflective about the last year. I don't like to wait all the way until uh, New Year's Eve to start with that. And so I start thinking back on the year. And this year I've been lucky enough to to travel a lot. Uh, we spent the summer, a uh, good portion of it, in, in California, which was really amazing. Got to see some wonderful things out there with my family. Um, I just got back, some of you know, uh, from a trip to Africa and uh, a little bit of Europe. And I love getting outside of, of my context, getting to go see other places and experience uh, really other cultures. And whether, you know, it's getting outside of my Horry County context, which, you know, is big but not that big. Um, even, you know, as we traveled across the United States, California really is like a whole other country. <laughs> but then spent a, little bit, <laughs> spent a little bit of time in, in, in Europe, in Paris, and that's, that's a whole other culture because it's almost American, except, of course, they speak French. And then on to California, or to uh, Africa, excuse me, but, um, which really, really is way, way out of my context and my culture, and it, it caused me to notice um, a few things. And being who I am and being what I do, I, I, uh, I always notice the spiritual aspects of things. And so we had lots of conversations while I was gone and with people who, who uh, see everything having a, a spiritual implication and uh, do a lot of worship, although maybe it's not the same tradition that, that you and I have and uh, spoke with uh, some people who have, don't see anything as having spiritual implications and, and have no faith, they would tell you, in anything but man and science. And so all over the spectrum, and it really, it really causes me to, to uh, do a couple of things. First, it leaves me with a lot of questions. And then secondly, you know, it helps me examine my own faith walk. Uh, a little bit, because while I learned things about all of those cultures, it as much highlighted how I think about faith and spirituality and, and these kind of things. So this morning, like I said, I got lots of questions, and um, I have a scripture I want us to take a look at this morning. We're going to be over in the, the book of Hebrews for a little bit, and then I, I don't so much have fill-ins as I really just have a bunch of questions this morning. <laughs> So um, we'll dive into this. Let me read this. Um, Hebrews 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. 
It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Lord, I just ask that you uh, breathe life on this word uh, this morning. Lord, come and, and speak to us. Spend time with us. Teach us, Lord. Um, for any of those this morning, Lord, that, that just see a wall between you and them, Lord, I ask that you just um, obliterate that wall, Lord, that you so show yourself uh, clearly and fully in the light of your love as we, as we walk into this Christmas season this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So my first question is this. And that is, who needs an anchor? Who needs an anchor? The scripture talks about an anchor, and, and that's the first thing that um, comes to mind. And, and I developed a, a real quick test for us this morning. And so you can write down answers to these questions if you want. You don't have to. Um, but just as we go through, the first one is this. Should we value the elderly as much as we value the young? Should we? Should we forgive people who injure us, or should we get some sort of retribution and hold a grudge? Another kind of light little question. Should the wealthy have to share, or would the world work better if it were every person for themselves? Um, do you believe that all people are created equal or that some are better than others? Again, light, little questions, shouldn't take long to ponder. Um, here's one of my favorite. How would you regard a church attendee, someone who attends church a lot, who is also dishonest and stingy? Would you say they're a hypocrite or would you say that's, that's not part of the deal? It doesn't matter. Now, if I had to guess, I would guess that some of us answered those questions starting with words like, well, the Bible says. And some of us would have answered some of those questions, well, the law says. And some of those questions could have been answered with just, well, I think. But I would put out this morning that all of those questions have some sort of a religious answer. And in fact, I would take that even a step farther and say everyone in this room is religious. In fact, everyone in Myrtle Beach is religious. Everyone in South Carolina is religious. And we'll just go ahead and say everyone is religious. And you may disagree, but I think that religion is really understanding that you are part of a story. You're walking out a story every day all the time. You live it. It's part of you. And so your religion is, is merely what's controlling that story. Whether it's something that happened to you in the past, something that's going on in your present, a belief system that you have, whatever it is, that story is how you make sense of the world. It's what you're bound to. It's the things that you're bound by. It is whatever you consider sacred enough to spend time on and spend time with. 
So in light of that, that certainly means that all of those have a religious answer. Um, there's an author I, I read here recently. His name's David Dark, and he wrote a, a great book called Life's Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious. And he says this. Religion happens when we get pulled in, moved, called out, or compelled by something outside ourselves. It could be a car commercial, a lyric, a painting, a theatrical performance, or the magnetic pull of an Apple store. <laughs> and so we can have 7 billion different religions in the world. There's roughly 7 billion people. So if religion is just our story, and everybody's story is equal, then we could have 7 billion different religions. But the scripture says that we have this hope firm and secure. We have this anchor. We have one controlling story available to us that is firm and steadfast. And the scripture assures us of that. We have, if you will, a plot line that we can make sense of our lives. See, I think if a little green man dropped in through the ceiling this morning, we would all find a way to make sense of that in our story, right? Some of us would say, that's not happening, it's a hallucination. Some of us would say, yay, the aliens are finally here, life's going to get better. Or, <laughs> or boo, the aliens are finally here, life just got worse. Or, or some of us would say that that's clearly a toddler painted green. <laughs> but we would find a way to fit that in and make sense of our story. And so what the scripture says is that we have something that can shape our story available to us that is dependable, that is true, that is not just my story versus your story, but is an anchor firm and secure for our soul. We have a truth available to us that, that is apart from whatever story we're living out. And so that asks another question for me this morning. And that is, what are you anchored to? What are you anchored to this morning? And if we're all anchored to something, what are you anchored to? And I, I would, again, here's a quick, this is just a two-part test. It's nowhere near as complicated. Um, I would say if you went home, and got your most recent bank statement or credit card uh, statement, you would find one of the things that you're anchored to in that. Or if you took out a diary of how you spent your day, you would quickly discover wherever you spend your time with is what you're anchored to. I want to show you a picture of a friend of mine. This is Levy. Um, that, that is a, that's the church that Levy pastors in uh, Kazangulu, uh, Zambia. Uh, those are mud walls, and uh, it, it is a tin roof, and it gets incredibly hot inside there. I want to show you the inside of his church. If we can, we can throw that up. Just real simple. Uh, those are just some simple benches there, and they do have some more uh, regular chairs available to them, but, but not 
not a lot. And I'm going to show you the, uh, the neighborhood. I have a little bit of a, a video of the neighborhood that this is going into Levy's Church. This is probably the last quarter mile. This is a border town called Kazangulu. It's uh, right on the Zambezi River, uh, bordering Botswana. Bring them in. Beat them up. <laughs> That's actually Levy's voice saying, bring them in, build them up, send them out, which is um, a, a curriculum that we, were, that we were teaching while we were there. And so here's the story with Levy. When Levy was 20 years old, uh, he was being discipled by someone at, at his church in, uh, in the village where he lives. And the person uh, basically had a, had a pit crew, kind of like Tim has here. And he said, Levy, I want you to go preach at this church. And so he did. And, and a couple months later, he was able to do that again. And so probably I think about a year passed. He was, uh, I think, 21 years old or so. And he got a message from the pastor of, of this church saying, Levy, I'm very sick. And uh, I, I'm told that I'm going to die very soon. And uh, I need someone to take over the church. And I, I think you're it. I think, I think you're the person to take over this church. And uh, Levy said, um, no, <laughs> not me. As, uh, as so many of us, who knows? Who's, who's done the, you got the wrong guy, God? Yeah, you, you got the wrong guy, God. I, I'm 21 years old. You know, I want to get married. I want to have a life. I don't want to move away from my friends. Um, I'm not sure that I'm the guy to, to pastor this church. I'm so young. I don't hardly know anything yet. But he said, but I'll pray about it. And so Levy went home and he, and he prayed. And uh, he felt like the Lord talked to him about Matthew 28. And uh, if many of us know that as the Great Commission, which says, go out into the world, preaching the gospel to all the nations, making disciples and baptizing them in my name. And Levy said, I don't know what else to do, but go and preach the gospel. So here he is 12 years later, 32 years old, living life uh, doing uh, everything he can to, to preach the gospel and, and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And when I think of someone that clearly knows where they are anchored and who they are anchored to, I think of, of Levy. Because he still wants to get married, he still wants to do life, but he's got a way to, to serve God in the midst of the story that he's walking out and, and be obedient. But I don't just tell you that story to see where Levy is anchored. I want to show you what's on the, the wall of this church. It's just kind of magic markered up there. It is uh, a quote from Psalm uh, 122. And I don't know if you can read that. But it says, I was glad. I was glad. That is what an anchor firm and secure for your soul, what that hope will do for you. When you live in a place like we just looked at, and you come to worship in a place with dirt floors, and you're not worried about much more than what you're possibly going to eat tonight, and yet you have the joy to write up on the walls, I was glad. That is what the hope of an anchor 
firm and secure can do. Jude 24 puts it like this. It says, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and great joy. That's, that's an anchor. When, when I go before God, I want to know that I'm going to be without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority. That's firm and secure. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the hope. Before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen? Amen. And so, I have at least one more question for us this morning, and that is this. Where is your anchor tied? Where is your anchor tied? See, anchors are, are incredibly useful things, and they're incredibly necessary things. But I'm told that an anchor tied to the wrong place on a ship can actually sink it. If you tie an anchor to the bow of a ship, and then that ship encounters storm waves, what's going to happen? It pulls the bow down into the water, causing the, the water to rush in and sink the ship. So an anchor has to be tied in the right place. And see, when it comes to our spiritual life, this anchor can be, can be a hope for us if, if we tie it in the right place, or sometimes we can tie it around our own necks. We can cloud all of the religion with all sorts of things that we want to add to the idea, that we want to add something to the idea that God loves us no matter what, and that all that he asks us to do is love him with all of our strength and our mind and our, and our heart. And when we start adding things to this, it turns this useful and necessary and hopeful anchor into something that's more tied around our neck. I want to I share an example here with you. Um, if you go on in the scripture, verse 20 says this, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. See, in the Old Testament, there was this thing called the law. And it was a lot. I think 633 different rules for things that we had to do to be good enough to encounter God himself. And so even in that, there was a temple sacrifice system, and it was, it was incredibly complicated, and only one person, only one person could go and enter the most sacred part of the temple, go behind the curtain that the, the scripture here is talking about, into the Holy of Holies, and offer sacrifice for the entire nation of Israel. And this would be the high priest. And you know what they did with the priest? Is they would tie a rope around his waist, because... If he or the nation of Israel had uh, not offered a correct sacrifice or had not uh, offered atonement for any of the sin in anyone's life, the priest would be struck dead when he entered the Holy of Holies. And so the rope around his waist was so they could pull him, his dead body out because they can't go in to get him, Right? Does anybody know what a kedge anchor is? 
Good. I was counting on that. <laughs> this is a Kedge anchor. If I asked you to draw an anchor, this is probably what you would draw for me. It is a small, light anchor because what it does is when a ship has run aground, when it cannot move itself, the sailors take this kedge anchor, they row out as far as they can, and they drop the anchor. And then they can pull the boat off of where it has run aground. You can do for it what the boat is not able to do for itself. And I couldn't help but think about this when you, when you think... In the Old Testament, under the law, with all of the heaviness and the rules and the, and the things that we had to do and follow, we had, the priest would have to be pulled out, but a kedge anchor pulls us in. And that's the example that the scripture is trying to tell us that we are pulled in to the presence of God, indeed to the very kingdom of God, through the hope of that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, I want to come back to Christmas uh, just for a minute. And uh, as we look at, at all the, the lights and, and uh, the decorations that are going up and all the holiday sales and, and everything that's, that's ramping up this week and, and as we start into this season and start considering this, and I want to take us into to the first chapter of Matthew. And in the first chapter of Matthew, Joseph is considering divorcing Mary because she's pregnant, they're not married, and this is incredibly scandalous. And uh, so in the first chapter it says this, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will be a better example for the entire world. No. Offer a better philosophy to live by. Again, no. Be a really cool guy to talk about. No. He will save his people from their sins. He will do what we can't do for ourselves. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that We do have a hope that is firm and secure in you. Lord, that we have a story that doesn't just affect how we live today. But Lord, you, you turn our story into an eternal story. Lord, into a... Into a chance to, to share in your glorious presence. And so we thank you that for that this morning, Lord. And, and uh, while we're here today, if there's 
someone who's who's never who's never grabbed a hold of of that anchor, who's never realized that hope. We'd love to pray with you this morning. The prayer team is down here. They would love to pray with you. But uh, right now, if you're not sure where your hope lies this morning, if it doesn't feel firm and secure right now, I'd like to pray for you too. Lord, sometimes it's hard to see. It's hard to see the hope that we have in you, Lord. And so this morning, Lord, I'd like you to just speak to to those who are here this morning and maybe they're having doubts. Maybe they're being tossed around on on an ocean that... uh, Lord is 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 tumultuous and and turbulent turbulent and they're just wondering um, where's my hope <laughs> where is um, the Lord I worship and so Lord I'd like just for you to speak to those people uh, this morning thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard podcast we are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach South Carolina And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.